Hey, hey, and welcome to The 40s Formula, your go-to place for insightful discussions on navigating the 40s and thriving in this transformative decade. We're your hosts, Jasmine and Amanda, two women that are passionate about exploring the challenges and adventures that come with turning 40 and what lies ahead. Before we begin today's conversation, I want to point out that today's discussion touches on a sensitive and challenging topic, infertility. If you or someone you know is facing infertility, we want you to know that we're here today with empathy, understanding and the intention to offer hope. Our guest today is Tina Pardia, a life and fertility coach. Tina's story begins with the heartache of struggling to conceive, but shines through with the promise of hope. Her journey to motherhood wasn't an easy one. Tina's personal experience includes four grueling years of IVF treatments, surgeries, hundreds of injections, and the emotional toll that often comes with the territory. Today's conversation might be a little tough for some as we delve into the challenges of infertility, but it's a conversation that's important, empathetic, and filled with hope. We want you to know that you're not alone in this journey. So whether you're personally affected by infertility, supporting someone who is or simply curious about the profound impacts of this journey, we invite you to listen to this episode with an open heart. Hi, Tina. Thank you for joining us today um, and sharing your incredible journey. I know it couldn't have been easy what you went through, but do you mind sharing with us your story and the emotions you went through while you were trying to conceive? Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so my journey was a four-year journey, um, a four-year IVF journey. Um, so my husband and I moved to Singapore about seven years ago, and we thought we'd just try naturally and see how we get on. Um, and we thought, okay, why not just... We were trying for six months and nothing was happening. We weren't too worried, but we thought, why don't we just get some routine fertility tests done and just see what's going on. Um, so we got those done and mine all came back fine. Um, and then I called my husband and he went really quiet and I thought, okay, what, what's going on here? Um, and at that point, we both had an appointment to see a gynecologist, also an IVF specialist at the time, but we didn't know. Um, and she basically read the report and said... Um, guys, I've got some really bad news for you. Like your husband has really low sperm number and sperm quality. And we were like, okay, what does that mean? And she was like, well, your chances of conceiving naturally are pretty much zero. Um, So you have to start IVF treatment kind of as soon as possible. And we both were really numb and just completely shocked because it came out of nowhere. We thought she was going to say everything's fine, just carry on doing what you're doing. Um, and that was the start of our roller coaster journey. I like to call it a roller coaster of emotions because there's highs, like really high highs, like you know, when everything is going well. And the lows are like you literally hit rock bottom when treatment isn't working. Um, so I describe it as an emotional roller coaster. And the emotions that you go through are just so complex. So you go through anger, bitterness, resent, you know, resentful of other people that are around you that are you, what it looks like to you are getting pregnant really easily. Um, through to like, you know, you're just emotions everywhere. Your hormones are obviously all over the place because you're taking so many hormone injections. Um, But that's all mixed in with like hope, excitement and joy. So it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get. Every day is going to be different. I think Amanda and I had this discussion earlier. Now we, I was younger. I think you were a bit older. But when I started trying to conceive, I was 32 and it took me nine months, two chemical pregnancies. And that... That, that exactly what you described there was exactly how I felt. But I don't know. I felt like I had, I don't know, a little bit more time. 
you were older. You were. I was. How yeah. old were you? I started treatment when I was thirty-seven. Yeah, I got married later in life at thirty-six, and then started trying after that. So I started treatment around thirty-seven. Yeah. At thirty-seven, did you feel like, oh shit, you know, what if this doesn't happen or this doesn't work, and or did you feel like, you know, quite positive about being th- able to go through the? IVF? I think it's a mix of emotions. Like you do, like. <laughs> You start, you go through, you start the journey completely naively. Like you think, okay, one cycle. So IVF, you, we, call, we talk about it in cycles, like treatment cycles. And we thought, okay, one cycle, we'll be fine. We'll get pregnant. Everything's going to be fine. But little do you know that it does not, like it does not work out like that. And, you know, unfortunately, so many couples have to have multiple rounds of IVF cycle. One just doesn't work, unfortunately. So... We went in very naively thinking it was just going to happen very quickly for us, but it didn't. And that was the biggest shock, I think, because we didn't know what to expect. And we had no one around us that we could talk to. So it was literally like a slap in the face because we were just like, oh, my God, what what the hell is going on? And that's why I describe it as getting on this roller coaster journey because you're like, like, how long is this going to take? When are we going to get off? Like, what's around the corner? Because at every stage of the journey, you think you're everything's going well and then only to get, like, bad news that, okay this part of the treatment's failed and you've got no, you know, we talk about viable embryos, which are embryos that you can then transfer, which, you know, ultimately can turn into a baby. So, you know, you get that call to say no viable embryos. We have to start all over again. And then you're just like, oh, my God, your heart drops. It's just you're devastated. You're heartbroken because you don't know where where this is going to go. Like for me, it was like every day I would question, you know, is this going to work? Am I ever going to be a mother? When is this journey going to stop? And is, you know, what's going on? You know, you question everything that you do. Am I doing the right thing? Am I eating the right thing? Am I doing everything that I need to do? Am I taking care of my emotional well-being, my mental well-being? So you, you question yourself. I would say you question yourself daily and you're you're tortured daily by it and that, because it's all you think about every day. Like from the moment you go to bed to the minute you wake up, it's all consuming. Yeah. And... Four years of IVF you had. Yeah, that's 800 right. 800 plus injections. Yeah, yeah, it was four long and grueling years. So 800 plus injections, most of those I did myself. Wow. Now I think about it, I don't even know how I did it. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. scared of needles and yeah. I can't imagine how. I know, you, you just become so numb to it. And, you you know, you're all doing, all, it's all in your stomach area. So you can imagine the state of my stomach. It was like black and blue. Yeah. The really, really painful ones are on your bum, and they're awful. They're the progesterone ones, and I had to have them daily. Um, as, you know, once I, I got a positive pregnancy, I had to have them daily for three months. Um, yeah, and I had surgery done. I had a six-hour operation done. Um, I had endometriosis and adenomyosis, which um, we found out later on down the line. And my doctor thought it'd be a good idea just to remove some of that so that if, you know, when, when the embryo does implant and I, I do get pregnant, um, there's no risk factors involved. Yeah, and my husband actually also, because of his, the nature of our fertility challenges were male infertility predominantly, he also, and people don't know this, but he also took injections. So he had um, progesterone injections and testosterone injections at the beginning. He did them in his stomach too. Um, and he also had two surgeries. So, yeah, we went through a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm really glad that you brought up your husband's struggles as well because what my husband and I do, we run a medical clinic called Lift Clinic, and we do talk to men with infertility issues. And a lot of times, there's so much guilt and pressure on the woman, Absolutely. on the partner that is the child bearer. Right. And it's a little bit of a forgotten conversation to yeah. talk about what men can do to mm-hmm. empower their fertility and what they yeah. can do in support of women who are experiencing infertility. So I think it's a really great conversation that you have offered here to include your husband in the conversation. 
So, Gal, I was balancing the books on our family budget the other day, and I realized... You're spending too much on workout clothes? Hey, okay, also that, but also the fact that we're not spending as much as we used to on high-quality meat and produce since we switched over to the Meat Club. The Meat Club's commitment to removing unnecessary costs by ensuring top-quality products is the main reason we stick with them, too. Their founder, Amy Bell, was a lot like us, struggling to find good produce at good prices here in Singapore, which is exactly why she started the Meat Club, and their commitment to genuine savings is still at the heart of the business. And as an added saving, our listeners can get $12 off their first order using discount code TFF12 with no minimum spend. Discounts are only valid through their website, themeatclub.com.sg. And don't forget to follow The Meat Club on Instagram also, at themeatclubsg. That's T-H-E-M-E-A-T-C-L-U-B-S-G. And now, back to our chat. Yeah, absolutely. And people don't realise, okay, so one in six couples globally are affected by infertility. And that, when you say infertility, it means you've been trying for a year and you haven't been successful. You are then put in that category of having infertility challenges. Now, 30% of those cases are male due to male infertility, 30% women and then 30% unknown and 10%, you know, other issues like um, PCOS. So, Male infertility accounts for quite a large number of the percentage of infertility challenges and people don't talk about it, especially in the Asian community. It's kind of like they always make the assumption, you know, you're older, it's to do with the quality of your eggs. And and probably, yes, but it was actually for us, the thing that drove the treatment was actually his, you know, my husband's infertility um, challenges and sperm quality and number of sperm. So, yeah. yeah. It's important to hear. And that that number, one in six people, you know, that just sounds incredibly high mm. but yet like you said there's not a mu- as much awareness about this no. so what yeah. can we do to sort of raise awareness about people who are struggling with trying like conceiving yep well I think what you're doing now which is having a podcast is amazing you know we're trying to reach as many people as we can um, the number one thing I would say is talk about it so when we found out we had to, we were you know we had to go through IVF we were very open about our journey and sharing it because we had we felt like we've got nothing to be ashamed of right this is what's happened to us this is a journey we're on and we're dealing with it. We're going through the emotions, but we want to talk about it because we want other people to feel like they're not alone if they are going through it. And actually by opening up and talking to people, I've had so many women come up to me and say, do you know what, that you know boy over there, that girl over there, I can see through IVF. And they just open up to you. And it's just amazing because they might say, you know, I've not told many people about this. And here I am talking to someone they just barely know about their journey and what they've been through because they feel like it's a safe place and obviously I've talked about it too and I've shared my experiences. I think sharing, talking about it is just, you know, it's so powerful to help other people feel that they're not alone. During your sort of struggles while you were trying to conceive and also going through IVF, what sort of challenges did you and your husband face as a couple? Because I can imagine, you know, that would have been quite a tough period for both of you emotionally yeah Yeah, it was incredibly tough so um as part of so we went through so many different challenges so IVF and any sort of fertility treatment the pressure it puts on the couple is so intense right you already have the pressures of life and now you've got this on top of it and it does lead to so many marriages breaking down because you know communication breaks down intimacy break it affects so many different things so I would say like 
we had the challenges around just the pressure and, and, and also the financial pressure. Like people don't talk about it. Like we had to pay for it here and the financial pressure is crippling for a lot of couples. Like you'd be shocked if I told you how much we spent on it. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? You would fall off your chair if I gave you the exact number, but people don't realize. So that financial pressure is, you know, it's just, it's really, really hard to bear sometimes. Um, during COVID, um, that was a particularly tough time for us because my husband actually got made redundant and I was doing my fertility coaching training. So essentially we were both like not working. Um, and all our embryos were in Singapore and we basically had six months, to, well, he had six months to find something. So that was really, really tough for us. Um, and actually at that time, we um, found a fertility coach to help us because we, even with all my training, it was just all getting overbearing and just overwhelming and just so much going on. And the anxiety and stress levels were just through the roof. I think that was where we really, really hit rock bottom. But we had the help and support of a fertility coach. She's actually based in the UK. Because at the time, there wasn't many people here. There wasn't anyone, actually. Um, and she was amazing because she went through the journey herself. So she, I just felt like she helped lift some of that weight that we were carrying around. And she was incredible. So what was the turning point for you that made you want to start being a fertility coach yourself? Um, so I actually have been previously career in digital market marketing over 15 years. I did that in London. I did that when I first got here. Then we started IVF. Um, and I was working at the time and it was crazy. I was like running into the toilet, giving myself injections, running to the doctors, taking client calls. It became very stressful. Uh, but naturally, the company that I was working at were just moving teams around and they wanted to move me into a different team because the team essentially I was in uh, got retrenched. And at that point, my husband said, look, why don't you just take time out? Think of, I've always wanted to do something different. And he said, take the time out now. It's a good opportunity while we're going through the treatment, focus on the treatment. I actually um, had some coaching sessions myself from a career coach. She's also a counsellor, career coach, everything rolled into one. And through talking to her, and I've I've done, um, you know, I've looked into coaching myself before that. But she basically helped me navigate through all of that and work out the fact that I actually wanted to be a coach myself and help support others. And because I was going through the IVF journey, I said to her, look, the emotions that you go through, people don't understand and you you know, you know, need help and support. And what I say is women and couples should not be going through this alone and you need the guidance and support of someone else outside of like your friends. Um, and that basically was motivated me to start training. So I did all my um, coaching training here in Singapore whilst I was going through the journey, in fact. you know, So the same thing, I was like going, because it was all classroom-based um, and I was running into sessions, running into the doctors, you know, getting injections, doing injections in the toilet, <laughs> all of that. So I did it all at the same time. But I think learning, um, so I did NLP training first, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which is essentially training a brain to... Um, trust yourself and to talk to yourself differently like change that narrative that you tell yourself every day um, and learning how to process information differently so that you get a different outcome because what they say is you know insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result so NLP teaches you ways to be able to circumvent that and coping strategies um, visualization tools so many things that I learned that were invaluable so I use those to help me get through it and I realized that there this is needed like this coaching I'm doing is needed because so many women and couples are suffering alone and they don't even know a fertility coach existed so for me it was like my passion my calling this is it this is what I want to do so you were 42 when you conceived your rainbow baby I was uh, no I gave birth oh, at 42, 42. Okay. yeah yeah what, like when you got 
obviously I don't know how it works with IVF but do you do like a pregnancy I mean I take yeah, it as a blood test right or? yeah so you do you do you do like a what they call a frozen embryo transfer so they get the frozen so he was a frozen embryo for two years so he'd been in the freezer for two years and then they put that inside you it's a transfer it's called transfer and then two weeks later you do a pregnancy test yeah and what went through your mind at that point when you were given the positive um it was, I'd, it was, I was just, it was unbelievable, basically. So me and my husband were at the clinic um, because they called us in, but they told us over the phone because then you need to go in and take more injections. And we just broke down and we were crying and we just couldn't believe it. Um, but what I say is that you, what I describe is you quite, you're quietly celebrating because you know this is just a start and you've got all the, it's so you have your pregnancy test, but then you have another one because they need to check that the HCG levels, which is, um, a hormone is increasing. So once you have the first one, you then have to do it every few days to make sure. So, you know, we, we were ecstatic. We were over the moon. We couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it was happening. But at the same time, I was like, oh my God, like we've got all these different things to ahead of us. And that was quite scary too. Yeah. And the only thing I can relate that to is someone who hasn't undergone IVF, but someone who has suffered a miscarriage. Absolutely. Is I didn't, you know, I had easy pregnancies in my first two. And then after my second, I had a miscarriage. And that was the first time that I experienced the transition from seeing my pregnancy test and just being overwhelmed with joy mm-hmm. and seeing my pregnancy test and being overwhelmed with fear. Yeah. And I think that what's common about our journeys is that that first period of that the first trimester and really up to 12 yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. And really 14, you know, if we're mm-hmm. talking about women over 40 and, yeah. and on our pregnancy, our unique pregnancy risks. I think that what you get with IVF is an extension of the fearful period. Absolutely. And not so much a relief as yeah. you would get from a natural concept, conceived pregnancy. And Absolutely. I think only you know women who have undergone those types of, of treatments or um, have had a miscarriage can really relate to that, seeing the pregnancy test and it's not exactly a celebration. Yeah, exactly. Because you know that you've got a long journey ahead of you. And, you know, you just can't help but all those anxieties and questions like you know is it is everything going to be okay am I going to get through this is the baby going to be healthy you know those fears and anxieties are only heightened because of what you've gone through yeah and it's like you know when you conceive naturally and you're not quite sure exactly when it happens yeah. it's like you're almost saved from a few weeks yeah. of wondering yeah. you know because you, until you miss your period you're like okay now I can start worrying yeah. and wondering exactly whereas with IVF you know the moment it happens yeah. and so the worry starts then yeah uh, the, the worry started from four years ago but it just gets <laughs> even worse right it just yeah. gets even worse Absolutely. yeah yeah I can totally relate to that in in that sense because I think when I was trying to conceive my first child that just I felt like it went on for so long nine months I said prior to that I had two chemical pregnancies and and then every time you get that positive pregnancy test you'd be like shit is this one going to be the one that that sticks you know so yeah those those feelings you know there's obviously happiness fear anxiety you know you go through the works don't you you really don't know. It's just us three in this room, and we've all had experiences, loss, and different, you know, difficulties conceiving. And imagine like how many other women out there are going through the same journey or experiencing loss, difficulties. You know, it's just it's more common than we think, but not often talked about. Yeah, I I remember sort of being out and. I'm Indian and, you know, I'd be in England and people were like, oh, you've been married so long now. You should you should try and have a baby. And I think I just got to the point where I was like, I am trying. And then they'd go quiet because I think, you know, they just think, oh, you know, here you are. You should have a baby now. But yeah. I think sometimes they don't realize that it's not that easy. Yeah. 
especially as you get older. You yeah, know? exactly. So the the pressure that you get from the Asian culture and, you know, the pressure that we're under is even more because, you know, you're getting older and people are, you know, families are asking or putting the pressure on. And I think from day one, we wanted to be very open about our journey because I didn't want to go back to London and have those conversations and deal with that because what we were going through was painful enough without other people reminding us of what we're going through. So I think if you're open and honest about your journey with family, they can be more compassionate and empathetic towards everything you're going through and a bit more mindful about what they say. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about kind of how it felt that everyone around you was getting pregnant so easily or, you know, seemingly so easily. And again, I do interact in circles, obviously, again, being a mom over 40 of women who are struggling with infertility. And I do feel a level of guilt when I'm like, oh, here's another pregnancy. Oh, here's another baby. How do you advise women like myself that are in circles with women that are going through infertility journeys? How can we best support women that are going through IVF, surrogacy, IUI, all sorts of different options? Yeah, I think it is a tough one because Everyone's different and everyone reacts differently to pregnancies and women around them pregnant. I actually just put some content out the other day about how to deal with people that are pregnant or announcing pregnancies. And what I say is, you know, it's okay. So you you said you're feeling guilty, you were feeling guilty um, and you don't know how to maybe react. But I think listening is the first thing, like listening to, you know, maybe saying to the person or the friend, look, I, I really don't understand what you're going through. But if you're, if you want to share your journey, I'm here. I want, you know, I'd like to know more about it. Um, I'm here to listen. I also understand if you find it too painful um, to spend time with me at the moment, um, you know, I value our friendship. And if you need some time to process everything, then I'm, I completely get it. And I'm here for you when you're ready to talk. Yeah. Um, so it's just giving them the space so they f- they can feel what they feel because we don't know what they're feeling, right? So it's just like giving them that space and breather, but letting them also know that you're there um, and, you, and you want to understand what they're going through. You don't understand because you've not been there, but you'd like to understand and you're here as a friend. Yeah. And I think that's all you can do. And, and just try to avoid, I mean, you know, as long as there's like most people have some level of emotional intelligence, it's just try to avoid saying things that could trigger them like oh you know why don't you just you know classic why don't you relax it will happen if you relax or just take some time out and it will happen you know or the classic is the story of I know someone who knows someone who stopped trying IVF and they went on holiday and they got pregnant Um we don't want to hear stories like that because that just pisses us off. So, yeah, avoid saying things like that that could trigger the other person. Yeah, that is really helpful. Approach with empathy, right? Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. And put yourself in their shoes. Like, just try and understand some of the emotions that they're going through. Did you at any point feel like, I- I've had enough now, I-, I don't want to go through this experience when you were going through the IVF and were you thinking about other things like maybe adopting or anything like that? Yeah, we did because of my age and... um you know, quality of eggs do diminish as you get older. Like, let's not, you know, beat around the bush. That is a reality. That's a science that proves it. Um, we were thinking about looking at other options and just, just, you know, talking about them and saying, okay, what are the other options? Um, is it egg donors, sperm donors, embryo donors, like surrogacy, adoption? You know, you talk about it all, um, but you don't want to... It's very weird because you talk about it, but you don't want to talk about it too much because you don't almost want to jinx it. So you're like, okay, here are the options and you lay them, lay them out, but you you then take your energy and your focus and you focus on what you're doing right now and you're saying, okay, for now, we're, we're on this journey and we're, we're going to focus on this. And if it lo- starts to look like it's really not going to happen for us, then we can open up, you know, the other, talk about, open up the conversation and talk about the other options that are, you know, that we have. 
So when you went through the four years of the IVF treatment, where were you on your journey? Like how long would you have continued on the IVF path? Well, for me, um, and for a lot of women, um, you do. So for for me, I did all my all my IVF cycles first, and that's where you retrieve the eggs. So I did all of those first, and then I had a bank of embryos. So for me, it was like, okay, this is a bank of embryos we've got because I'm not going through all of that again because. Like I said, the older you get, your eggs start, quality start diminishing. And we've done so much to get there. It's like, all right, this is the number of eggs we've got. We've got six embryos. We're going to go through those embryos and then we will decide if we want to do any more. But for us, it's like, okay, these are the numbers we've got. Let's go through those first and then we then we make a call. And what number did you get to? So, so um, Ishan, um, my baby boy now who's two, he was, we put in two. So we put in embryo number four and five. So we don't know which one. He was, but it was either four or five, yeah. So we we have one left, essentially. Amazing. And when you put in the two, was it one male, one female? Or oh, was no, it just we don't, whatever? We don't know. You didn't know. You okay. don't know, yeah. yeah. So you, you can't find out here Oh, that's Singapore. right, in Singapore. You yeah, can't, you can't yeah, do genetic, that's genetic right. testing yeah. or find out. So we didn't know. We just it, it just took me a while. So it's like two stages, I like to call it. You do the banking of the eggs and getting the eggs out and then fertilizing them. And then you do all the transfers where they put them back into you. Um, but for that... For that part, you have to, it's not as easy as just putting them in. You have to get your body ready and your lining ready. And I think my lining just took so long to get ready that the doctor was like, okay, we've got it to a point. Let's just put two in because you, we don't know how long it's going to take until it's we get it to this optimal state again. So we, we put two in. And, you know, it's not encouraged because twin pregnancies are very um, high risk. So, But it was just because it took so long um, to get to that point that our doctor encouraged to put two in. Double or nothing. Yeah, exactly. And it worked, right? You know, he's our miracle because, you know, the quality of embryos diminish as you go down. So we start with the best one. So four and five, essentially, are the the kind of lower quality ones. Um, And I always say to women, like, don't, you know get too hung up on the quality when when the doctor says to you this is the best quality this is a poor quality but because for us it worked and he was lower down the chain amazing what sort of advice or words of encouragement would you offer to couples who are going through um infertility sort of based on your experience um okay i would say as a couple because you go through so much and and you both experience it very differently so for the guy, you know, like you said earlier, they feel kind of, um, res- you know, responsible potentially or feel like helpless, um, that they can't do anything, you know, anything more than they're already doing. And for the le- the woman who's going through it physically, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, she is exhausted and, and your your confidence takes a, a real battering, your self-worth, your com- confidence, everything, it, you know, become, it just gets shattered. So I would say, first thing, Talk openly with each other about what you're going through and how you're feeling and what support you need from each other because you need to do it as a team because the minute you start feeling like you're alone, the journey becomes so much harder. So talk to each other. Um, take you know, Dedicate a day in the week that you sit down and say, okay, how has the week been through you, for you? What do you need from me? What appointments do you want me to come to? Um, so you know, work that out as a couple and just be on the same page. Um, just talk openly to like you might not want to tell everyone which is completely you know on like acceptable and it's completely personal and up to you but find people that you can trust whether it's family or friends one or two people and just talk to them about what you're going through so that you don't feel alone um 
for women, uh, there are support groups out there for men. You know, look at support groups, um, join the support groups, talk to talk to people, that, like-minded people that are going through the journey. Um, or I also, you know, encourage people to talk to a specialist, whether it's a coach, a therapist, a psychotherapist, counsellors. You know, every, you know, there's so much. So many people out there that can help you and that can talk to you, talk to you and help you manage some of the emotions that you're going through. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the things. I think the other thing I would say is advocate for yourself with your doctor. Like your doctor has your best interests at heart, but you know yourself and your body better than anyone. Um, so if you feel like you need a break, you feel like you need some time out or you've got some questions that you might be a bit too scared to ask ask it like the doctor's not going to like shut you down because you're asking these questions you need to know what's going on at every stage in your journey and you know your body better so really really advocate for yourself yeah and you had mentioned about how it's so important to have your partner on your team right but at the end of the day it is you that's giving yourself the injections and Mm -hmm. taking that pain and it is you that's going to carry that pregnancy and if the pregnancy isn't successful that's going to kind of carry the weight of that loss Mm -hmm. so when I'm working with clients so I'm a fitness and nutrition coach and I see a lot of women that are coming to me for weight loss that's related to weight gain Mm -hmm. from their IVF journeys and how do you kind of help women through the physical deeply physical and personal changes that happen in their bodies during this process yeah, so may I so I focus a lot on the emotions, but I feel like it's all linked, right? Your mind and body are linked. So when you when you're overwhelmed with thoughts and feelings that you just can't process, I help process some of that. Um, what I, I like to call it unpacking the layers and, and unpacking the bags that you've been carrying around. So layer by layer, we take out some of the emotions that you've been feeling so that you can start to feel lighter. You start to have clarity around um, what you want to do next, the decisions that you're making. Um, and ultimately, some of the emotions that we talk about and I help, I basically teach them coping strategies and tools, visualizations, affirmations, journaling, um, emotional freedom technique, which is tapping, meridian tapping. And that lets go of some of the blocks, blocked emotions that you've got. So I'm a very, a very big believer in um, holistic therapy. I did a lot of holistic therapy through my treatment. Um, and so I believe that there's a lot of blocked emotions that you're not even aware of and you don't you don't understand how they affect your body. So it's all linked, right? So once you get clarity and you, and you release some of the emotions, you then realize actually that emotion I was holding was stored in my stomach. I was getting gastric issues. I was getting cramps. And once you release some of that and you let them feel lighter and they feel um, like some, a weight's been taken off, they can then focus on the physical side. And I don't focus mainly on the physical side. For me, it's more emotions. But once they get through some of that pain they then look at focusing on themselves physically so I you know there's people that do yoga or fertility yoga that help you kind of get back get some of your strength back physio there's so many other people and like yourself that yeah. that can help you bounce back from everything that you've been through yeah exactly I definitely think like we would have a synergy yeah <laughs> of course and like I really hear you because I'm on my journey now to try and get some of that fitness and strength back because yeah. all through my journey I was told you can't do hit training right. you can't do running all the things that I loved yeah. I couldn't do because of the away, yeah. Yeah, because of the pressure it would put on my uterus. That must have been tough, like, you know, having to almost, like, give up yourself. Yeah, you do. To, you do. To, you know, go through the pregnancy. You yeah. yeah, you so, give up again, as much as your partner is there for support, your partner is not giving up. Yeah. That. Your partner can still go to the hit class yeah. if he wants, yeah. you know. So it, it is kind of that that 
really lonely journey. It is. And it's funny you said that because I was a very active person before I went through this. And, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, I can go on my walk, which is still fun, but, you know, it's not running. Um, and my husband would be going to his boxing class. And I love boxing. He'd be going to his boxing, boxing classes every every other day. And I, at one point, I was like, it's not fair. Like, it's not fair. I want to do all these things. I don't want to have to give up who I am. But, you know, you do for the phase that you're going through. You do it for that part of my journey in my life. I did. But then I always, you know, reframed it and helped myself and said, look, it's only a chapter in my life that I'm going through. It's not going to be forever. For now, this is my focus. These are the things I'm having to... Um, I know, and if you, if you tell yourself you're not giving them up, you're just putting it on a... You're putting it on pause. That's a better way of looking at it because it helps you then because you're putting it on pause and as soon as you've got through this, you're going to you know, you're going to get back to everything you love and enjoy. Yeah. And it's so cheesy to say it, but once you do have a successful pregnancy and once you do have that baby, you realize how minute missing that boxing class was. Exactly. <laughs> it how, puts everything into how, perspective. Yes, it yeah, sure does. Course. It sure yeah. does. And we wish that for everybody. Tina, it has been wonderful having you here. Thank you for sharing Thank your you. inspiring story with us. But before we finish, we do have a question that we do like to ask all of our guests, and that is, what is your 40s formula? And I guess... For you, it's what kind of advice or wisdom would you like to share with our listeners, especially those that are facing some type of adversity? Okay. I think I would say <clears throat> don't give up on so don't give up on your body or your mind. Okay, you know yourself and your body better than anyone. I was determined to be a mother, whether that meant giving birth at forty two. I didn't care. I didn't listen to anyone because for me, I knew and I reminded myself every day that this is going to happen for me. And I made sure that that was my focus the whole time. And I didn't let anyone or anything derail that. And I think part of that is because I was in my 40s. So in your 40s, you're smarter, you're braver, you're more resilient. Okay. And you don't let other people's words or behavior stick to you. You're better at understanding, okay, this person is not serving me positively anymore. And I'm happy with that. Okay, so you learn to let go of toxic relationships that aren't serving you. And I think you do that because in your 40s, you know you know what you want out of friendships and you know what is working for you. You're also more mindful of the, the, the importance, the sheer importance of um, mental well-being and you prioritise that. So in your 40s, you know that the most important thing you can do is prioritise your emotional well-being and your mental well-being. And that doesn't, and you realise that that doesn't make you a selfish person because it makes you it makes you be a better person for yourself and for everyone else around you. Um, so yeah, I think that that's probably what I would say. That's incredible. Thank you so much. I feel like I feel like the forties is the no shits given decade. Don't yeah, you think? I think you it just, really yeah. is. You don't. You act. You know. I did. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to swear, but you, you are allowed. Give a shit. You are allowed. Don't give girl. a shit in your forties because you are so confident. And I think the other thing I would say is you've learned to love yourself again, right? You go through twenties and thirties. You're a bit like, mm, am I? Am I? You know, the the limiting beliefs, the self worth, the confidence. But in your forties, you're like, nope. This is me. This is who I am. Yeah. I love myself and I d couldn't care less what other people think or say about me. Yeah. And that's what yeah. we get what we want in our 40s. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tina. It was absolutely wonderful having you oh, here. Oh, thank you so, thank much. You so much. Thank you. This is Paul, our editor. He's a 25-year-old unmarried Singaporean guy listening to the ramblings of 12 older women on everything from menopause to weightlifting to sex. Paul, what's your thoughts on today's conversation? Hey, hey, hello once again. Um, so I have a confession to Emmett, actually. So 
this isn't actually my area of interest or expertise because at least for me and my partner, we aren't exactly planning on having kids or interested in having kids in the current foreseeable future. Neither do I have friends in this stage in life who are actively trying for kids in their 20s, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's a bit, I guess it doesn't fit <laughs> exactly with my current stage in life. But anyways, it's quite an interesting, you know, informational topic to be able to hear your story and, you know, but you know, what you're sharing about your struggles and pain in order to conceive. So if you're trying for kids, don't, don't give up, guys. All right. Anyway, catch you guys next time. See you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, did you know that you can leave us questions and comments on FanList? That's right. On fanlist.com slash the 40s formula, you can leave us a voice note where you can ask us anything, leave us your feedback, or just say hi. Nicola777 reached out to us and had this to say. So I've just listened to the first two podcasts and I absolutely love them. I enjoyed the content about real women and real issues we face in our 40s. I love the flow of them. Some very helpful insights and tips. Well done. I can't wait for the next one. I feel like I need more now. Lol. I need to binge listen to more. <laughs> Lol. I was like, I wonder what she was going to say there. I was like, I'm not sure what I would say. Okay, sorry. The 40s formula is proud to be your source for that realness, Nicola. Thanks for listening. Before we go, please remember to hit subscribe and take a moment to support the 40s formula by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help us to reach more people and allow us to continue to bring valuable content. It should only take a moment and it's a free way for you to support the show. You can also stay updated with the 40s formula by following us on Instagram at the 40s formula, all one word. We share behind the scenes insights, episode updates and much more. So please be sure to hit that follow button. We appreciate your time and support. Thank you for being part of this community. And we'll be back next week for more empowering conversations with inspiring guests. Bye. After I had my eldest son, I used to try and have a smoothie in the morning. And they got to a point where if I had a smoothie first thing, as in, you know, as in my fast breaker, I would throw up. And I don't know what it was. And I was like, this is so weird. I don't know if it was just the concentration of all the, you know, shit everything in there. But it wouldn't actually make me yak, which was really, really strange. So since then, I've been off smoothies. smoothies. That would put me off. Yeah. yeah, It's been about eight years and I'm like, can't do smoothies anymore. Wow. I used to do like everything, you know, I'd put spinach in there, yeah, fruit in there, do, and this, yeah. that, and the other. Yeah. Just cannot do it. Oh, spinach and apple or banana and almond butter. Ooh, and oats, yeah. I like that combo. Yeah, they're the go-to.